And wait, and wait. And baby, I'm TFC till I die. Hello and welcome back to another Toronto Till I Die, the Toronto FC fan show. I'm Mike Newell, and when Federico Bernardeschi called for something to change, we may have taken that a little too literally, as we're coming to you on a Thursday night and not our usual Monday. But have no fear, on this week's show, we're going to dive deep into Berna's post-game comments from Saturday and Bob Bradley's response to said comments and the club's response to said comments. Uh, read your responses in this week's burning question because clearly we asked about that. Um, and finally, tee up this Saturday's home match against DC United. Lots to dig into this week, so let's get straight into it with my co-hosts, Michael Singh and Jeffrey P. Nesker Rockin uh, a Portland Timbers uh, alternate jersey scarf um is that because you're now on the timbers train or is that something else? yeah you guys you guys didn't get the memo we're officially a, a timbers fan podcast now um <laughs> timbers till i die timbers yeah. till i die Gross. honestly how could i not look look at look at that look at that thing of beauty how could i not gross seriously but it's Never. also the warmest scarf in the world so i'm happy to take it off um <laughs> yeah just for yeah. the intro speaking of intro yeah it was just like, how long how long were you sitting on that intro for? Oh, how long God. did it take you to come up with that one? Uh, <laughs> all of about 45 seconds. Uh, no, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, to be perfectly honest, uh, no, I have not been sitting on that for a while. Um, I've been really, really sort of swamped with work. Uh, so I had a lot of time to think about it. Just that one came up mm-hmm. really quick. But again, Frederico uh, came out with the gold on the weekend, so it made it a lot easier uh, to come up with that intro. <laughs> yeah, yeah he I saw it and I laughed. Time. Yeah, he set you up. He set he set, he set up us up well. Nicely. He set us up well. How have you guys been? I know we we haven't been on uh, for the past little week and a bit. And Jeff, you've been mm. away. Um, how were your travels? You obviously went out to Portland. Um, how did that all go? It was great until it wasn't. Uh, I'm still recovering from a nasty, nasty little stomach bug that my wife and I uh, uh, imported back into the country with us. So if you see me uh, on Saturday, you might want to stay away. Just saying, you know, I might still be contagious. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, I won't be, and I won't make all of TFC land uh, sick with this with this hell thing. But um, yeah, no, it was great. It was great. Uh, Providence Park, for those who haven't had the opportunity to go see that place, is a palace of football. I'm in love. I'm absolutely in love with that stadium. It is gorgeous. It is schizophrenic in all the right ways. I mean, you could, you don't know where to look, but something interesting pops up. Like, why is a press box over there? Like, why is why is that kiosk over there? It's it's insane, and I love it. It's it's so wonderful. Um, yeah, yeah, just just fantastic. Yeah, it was a baseball stadium that's now been converted to a soccer only facility. So it has mm-hmm. like it feels like it should have weird sight lines, but doesn't um, in in a way. Yeah, no, it doesn't. Um, there's 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 a lot of good sight lines there. Um, and like you said, it's, it's strange that there are no bad sight lines, but I guess, uh, it's just the magic of the place. How the tempers did, did they win? No, they lost <laughs> in the 90th minute to Minnesota. Oh my God. It's like you're at a TFC game. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. yep, yep. <laughs> you brought that vibes into Portland. Now they're just like, nah, get out. Well, bro. to be them. honest, 
uh, Dane St. Clair was in net for Minnesota. So I was a bit conflicted on who to, who to cheer for. And I made sure that every time Dane St. Clair made a save that I yelled out, that's our number two on the Canadian men's national team to anybody within earshot. So I was, I was doing us a solid regard. He's number three. Number three. Well, Max Grupo, he's he's number two right now. Yeah, fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. That yeah. is true. Yeah. That is true. Uh, Mikey, how have you been over the last little bit? Trying to process everything that was going on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Trying to dig <laughs> to see if mm. I could could get you know some more intel and yeah. What uh, I guess the only thing that I'll say on that front is not great. Not great on, <laughs> on oh. a lot of different a lot of different fronts mm. right now with Toronto FC. So, uh, listen, I don't. It's go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, man. No, I was gonna say it's it's been a a really really rough stretch with this team. But as we've said on this podcast and say all over the place, winning helps all of this. Yeah. Right. So it comes down to whether or not this team can. Find a way to rate the ship on on Saturday night. Yeah, yeah, and and let's sort of dive into it because obviously, look the the talking point this week, the talking point that's going to sort of be out there for a while now, is these comments Federico Bernardeschi made after Saturday's one nil heartbreaker loss to Austin FC. Look, a ninety plus minute goal, freaky. You know, just bad clearance. Um, Sean Johnson can't attack the ball as he normally would because there's an Austin player at his feet and can't really jump for it. You know, the goal went in and I just laughed. You know, yeah. I just like I yeah. like I tweeted that, but I actually did actually just laugh mm-hmm. um, because it's just one of those things where it's like this is this is kind of the season, isn't it? Right? Like you hang yeah. on, you okay, you don't play well. Clearly, this team did not play well. Um, get to the 90th minute, you're nil-nil, you could maybe get out of there with a point, and then just calamity, right? And it just, that was kind of the vibe. And, you know, obviously the comments come in. Mike, you were in that press conference. Uh, Jeff, I saw you tweeting about it afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind Manically of tweeting shut, about it afterwards. I shut yeah, down yeah. for the night after the goal. I was like, I- I'm done. I got nothing else for anybody. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't see it till the next day. Um, but just give me your reactions to it before we dive into the implications and who's pointing fingers where and stuff like that. But let's just give me your sort of just instant reactions to when you started hearing the words come out of his mouth and you're like, oh, oh. Um, so, Mike, <laughs> I'll start with you and then, Jeff, um, I'll, I'll grab you because uh, you were in Portland probably at that time. Yeah. Yes. So I actually I wasn't in that press oh, conference okay. specifically i was doing a couple mm-hmm. different ones around the league i was actually in greg's vaney's press conference funny enough but <laughs> that was equally as fun um, yeah in that press conference he's not having a fun um, time either yeah he is not having a a fun time um so yeah when i first saw it come down to be honest not the most surprised uh bernadeski said something similar to this earlier this year not obviously not Mm -hmm. to the same extent but he hinted at the fact that you know on a really windy day at bmo field the team didn't do a good enough job just playing a certain style of football and he said you know there was way too many long passes they weren't going short enough they weren't playing football as essentially said he was frustrated right we 
we talked about it, we dissected it, we analyzed it, and then we kind of just chalk it up to him being, you know, a little bit frustrated with the team's slow start to the season. I feel like when we saw these comments, you got a little bit more insight into exactly what his side of the story was and what his frustrations were. Um, and I mean, let's be blunt. I, I think it's pointed towards Bob Bradley, which is very interesting uh, decision by Federico Bernardeschi to go public with, with that stance. It does raise a bunch of other questions, um, but it also kind of creates a scenario where, fans from the outside that are looking in are if they weren't divided already it almost asked them to be a little bit more divided and obviously who are fans going to be siding with (laughs) yeah yeah and obviously who are fans going to be siding with it's it's Mm. Brandeski or it's the coaching staff and I think we know where fans obviously you know feel who's in in the right there um, mm-hmm. but yeah, what, what I'll say, there's probably a lot more to the story and a lot more behind the scenes that goes on and, and yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, but yeah, when I, when I saw it, I wasn't, like I said, I wasn't too, too surprised because, you know, Vernadeski is, he's one of the more honest, um, interviewers when he has something to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, listen, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how much deeper a hole I can dig myself in with certain contingents of TFC land. And there's a part of me that doesn't even want to open my mouth. But, you know, I I say often nothing is binary. And here we are with a situation that's begging to be binary and us versus them situation. And I won't have it. I just won't have it. The truth is somewhere in between. And it's not what what Berna is saying and it's not what what Bob is saying in, in, in counter arguments or or previously. The truth is is somewhere in between. Um, and that's that's the the long and the short of it. So so you know seeing those comments it's it's funny because you know I'm 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 sophisticated enough in, in watching football pressers and stuff like that to know that this sort of thing happens all over the world. And 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 as much as I wanted to see the screen go dark and you know, sorry, we're experiencing technical difficulties, like somebody at TFC headquarters like smashed the panic button. You know, that's not going to happen. But, you know, at the end of the day, ugh, it, it, it's just a mess. It's just a mess. And, and it, you know, for something as simple as a team just needs to win to, to alleviate a lot of this pressure, this team is doing everything but win in all aspects. You know what I mean? Like, like just win as opposed to circling your wagons or, or, or figuring out new and different ways to not be winning. I, I don't, you know, it's just, it seems so insane, but like find a way to win <laughs> instead yeah. of all of this path. Like, <laughs> yeah, for sure. So just for those who have not heard this, I mean, you know, look, if you yeah. listen to this podcast, if you haven't heard this, you're under some kind of rock, but mm-hmm. um, you know, to, to sort of clip and paraphrase a little bit uh, on what Federico Bernardeschi said um, in, in his post game press conference, he, he said, you know, and I'm taking these from Mike from your from your tweets. Um, just uh, for me, we need maybe uh, we need maybe something different. Uh, and he's basically saying, look, the team doesn't have an idea of football, and saying, I think maybe we need to change something. We need a bit more tactics. We need an idea of how to play because this is the real problem for me. It's impossible to play like this, and 
for me, once I actually watched the video and heard what he said, yes, it sounds worse. It, it does sound yeah, worse. Right? It does sound worse. <laughs> and in 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 the sense that, look, we've been saying this for weeks. Other look, other shows have been saying this for weeks. I'm not taking the credit for this, but like, it's hard to see what the identity of this team is when it's on the pitch, right? It re- like, I I really don't understand. And look, and like they're they're trying to do something. They're clearly a game plan, and they're trying to execute a certain game plan. But I mm. do find it difficult to understand what is sort of the identity of this team. Like, are you really trying to possess the ball? Are you really trying to be aggressive in your press? Are you really trying to to what are you doing? Uh, and it doesn't feel very clear to me. And and it now feels like it's not clear to some of the players as well. How true of that? I agree with you, Jeff. There's probably a truth somewhere in the middle there, but I mean, it's pretty damning if you're, if your DP players coming out and saying things like this. And and clearly if I don't know if he necessarily went rogue here, right? Because generally speaking, leaders like this go up to the mic and they have some kind of blessing from their teammates, or at least there is some kind of understanding that, you know, something might be said here. Um, maybe not in this particular case, but generally that that tends to be the case. And it'll be interesting to see sort of what not just the reaction to, you know, Bob Bradley's situation, but how do the rest of his teammates sort of line up to that? Jeff, sorry, you wanted to go. No, 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 no. I saw I saw Mikey's big smirk there. He's got better things to say than I do. So <laughs> bring bring it on, Mikey Singh. I'm trying to avoid the flop sweat and I can barely form a sentence. So no, I, I wouldn't say I have better things than you to say. Actually, no, I probably have better things than you. Yeah, to you say. do. It's, wow, it's you, a very absolutely. low bar. It's a very low bar. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, Kick a man no. when he's down. Jeez. <laughs> Jeez. You know, I love mm. you. Um, I, I, I do agree that it is tough to see an identity with this team, Mike. But how are you supposed to? build an identity when you're using so many different pieces in your roster, when you're using so many young players, so many inexperienced players, when you're rotating your squad game after game after game, when Lorenzo Insigne is in for four or five games that then can't stay healthy. Yeah. up Another injury, right? Like how are we, you're, you're buying another striker. You're inserting him into the line of three games. Diamande can't stay healthy. You're having to play Kobe Franklin and Demi Atanaglu is getting his first, career MLS start you're shifting to a back three you're shifting to a back five you're trying to play a back four you're you're playing a four four two at times like how are you supposed to establish an identity when you're trying to survive which is the best I, way to kind of describe yeah, but if I can, can I add to that you go ahead, when go ahead. when yeah. you're when your DPs are getting figured out because they've been expected for individual brilliance so what Bernadeschi was doing two three weeks ago he's, he ain't doing anymore because people are wise to the cut in Ariane Robbins style, right? Like, I think we can all agree, and I, I think we've said it in rosier times when we were, you know, when we were still absolute dog crap, but not this kind of dog crap. You know, we can levy a certain complaint against Bob Bradley, and that is he's quite tactically inflexible. I, we all disagree with his subs, you know. We all were like, why aren't you playing a 4 4 2? Uh, uh, you know, instead of the 4 3 3, et cetera, et cetera. But what Mike's saying is absolutely right. Like, how can you have a tactical identity when you have three sticks to rub together and you're giving TFC two guys starts on the regular? You know what I mean? I think yeah, I don't know pretty... if that's exactly true because okay. because this tactical sort of 
not understanding what they're talking was was happening before all these injuries came up, right? Like, like in terms of how to progress the ball from the back and be, you know, attack minded and things like that. TFC weren't exactly burning bridges when they were healthy for the most part. Yes, I know Lorenzo Insigne wasn't there um, for that stretch of games, but pretty much everybody else was generally healthy. So, you know, this but was... But we this knew what something... their identity was. It was a Did team we... that was defense first. That but, was... That, but but again, like... But that that's sort of the thing. Like, were they really supposed to be defense first? Like, I don't know if that's exactly the case. Right? To start like, the season, I would argue that they were, so that we wouldn't we weren't looking down the barrel. Was that a tactical goal that you were having to adjust based on the fact that look, you weren't really scoring a lot of goals because your way forward wasn't working the way you had hoped. So I you mean, have to I, be a I, little bit more tactically disciplined defensively. I counter that any team that spends the lion's share of their budget on a DP that's barely there is going to be hurting for goals when measured against the rest of this league. You know, I'm seeing a lot of comments in our in our comment thread, and I've seen it all over the socials. You know, what Berna wants is is tactics like Europe and an open communication like Europe. Well, I mean, sports fans, MLS is not Syria. Right. Like we cannot have a squad like Juve. It's not possible with the parity that this league is sort of built its back upon. It's just not happening. And so that that it like, I mean, that's all good and fine. Don't come to MLS then. Right. Like the consequence of being a designated player in this league is that you have to carry a load much higher than you would as a role player on the bench or or as a starter at, at Juve. It's as simple as that. And, and you know, it. It's just, it's just, uh, I don't know, guys. I don't know, guys. <laughs> no, but uh, Mike, I agree with you. Like, moving forward, they haven't figured it out. With the ball, they haven't figured it out. I think what this team has had to do, based on the personnel that they have and based on kind of just the style of play that's been happening, is that they've had to revert into a maybe more, less risky type of playing style where they are defense first. And maybe that's just the way that like we've talked about, perhaps they overcompensated in the off season and spent heavily in their back line and invested a ton of their resources into shoring up their defense and, you know, maybe their, their goaltending and their midfield a little bit. Um, and maybe they didn't think enough about attacking wise because they figured Insigne and Bernadeschi would be able to kind of bail them out a little bit on that end, at least a little bit. Um, But that, that simply hasn't really been the case um, from a DP standpoint, right? They haven't been able to bail TFC out. Now, again, that brings the question, does that fall on them? Does that fall on the coach? Does it fall on their teammates? Like what's the reasoning why, the club has yet to figure out the best way to get Bernadeschi and Insigne, uh, but get the best out of those guys. Maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's their personalities. Maybe these guys have come in from Europe and they expect a certain standard of play. And when they're not getting that standard of play, then maybe that turns into maybe some of the frustration that we saw out of Bernadeschi, but maybe there's other ripple effects that happen because of that, um, that trickle down you know, in, into that, that locker room. Like it, it's a, it's a tough place to, to kind of be in right now for the club, because obviously you're seeing that frustration come out in, in Insigne and Bernadeschi, but at the same time, they're also supposed to be the guys that are your role models and they're supposed to be mm-hmm. leading by example. Um, 
so but they're also they have a right to be frustrated because you look at the players that again are around them and it's it's a wake-up call it's a shock for these guys because they were promised i'm sure a bunch of different things and i don't think maybe the club has held up their end of the bargain when it comes to that stuff too so there's a lot going wrong with this club for sure there's a lot you know this this i think turts really put into sharp relief what I've been thinking this whole week. We've seen Bob build an insanely good attacking team with LAFC recently. He has the tactics. Why aren't the players picking it up? This is something I've been wrestling with perpetually as this thing goes off the rails, right? And I'm not even going to, like, let's forget about LAFC. Let's talk about Bob Bradley's U.S. team that handed Spain their one and only loss during that time where they were world beaters in between the Euro World Cup European Cup. Their only loss to was Bob Badley's U.S. men's national team. Let's talk about Egypt and 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 the Mohamed Salah experience. I mean, this guy's pedigree is fantastic. I just don't get it. So, is it that these weren't his guys? That Insigne and Berna, well, to a lesser extent, Berna weren't his guys. They were, you know, when when you can get Lorenzo Insigne, you buy him. All of their concerns, secondary, crew expendable. And we're seeing the result of that now. That- yeah, but I would ask from an LAFC perspective, I don't think it's it's unreasonable to talk about that. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think it's unreasonable to, he, to talk about But he didn't necessarily build the squad, right? John Thorrington was a GM. He yeah. signed the players, I, right? No, no failed miserably at Swansea takes. He didn't have a chance in hell there. Of course, he's going to take the job because if you're an American coach and Swansea wants to hire you, you're going to take the job for your own career advancement. But saying that he failed, they didn't give him as nearly as long as of a run up that he needed. Though I'm not, I, those takes are not acceptable at my at my desk. I'm sorry. We can talk about him failing at other places. We can talk about LAFC getting better after he left, presumably. But no, I'm not. I'm not using Swansea as as something the level against him sorry yeah like yeah I, I i i agree with jeff's sentiment that this is bob bradley that we're talking about in his his tactics are being questioned by people who don't aren't familiar with major league soccer right is bob bradley the most intelligent game-changing coach in the world probably not no, like, Absolutely no he's not, he's not yeah. right um but is he one of the probably best tactical minds in Major League Soccer that we've seen come across? Absolutely. And you talk to a lot of different people and people who have worked with Bob Bradley, they'll tell you just how detail-oriented he is when it comes to tactics, when it comes to um, opening up you know, your body, body position, just little intricate details um, when it comes to just making a difference on in games and so, so he's a he's a smart guy um, is essentially what I'm trying to say. So I wonder again, same thing. Is there a coach in Major League Soccer? Let's say Bob does get sacked. Is there a coach in Major League Soccer that Bernardeski wouldn't criticize? Right. Well, I mean, yeah. uh, did they did they fire Wolf? Did Wolf get sacked from Austin? I've been sort no. of sort of no. out of the loop. No, no. Okay, no. I mean, but but if he had, why don't we hire him? He's not. He's only a Bob Bradley protege, like half of the people in Major League Soccer. You know. I mean? Well, that so this is my this is my <laughs> thing about why I don't think Bob Bradley's getting sacked, uh, at least not now. Um, I, I I just don't see it happening yet, and and it's not those who are calling for Bradley out. It's not an unre- I don't think an unreasonable uh, thing to say. I just think like who are you going to get to replace him right now? Like he's built the team. 
Like he, it's not just he's coaching. He's built the team. So who are you mm-hmm. going to get right now to come in and, and coach this team and Cheerlo. then get them to get- know um, <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> to to get this team where it needs to go? Because let's be real, like this team is not built to peak in twenty twenty three or twenty twenty four. Excuse me. That that's not mm-hmm. the point of this team, right? The point of this team is not to be like, okay, we're having a rampway and then we'll be competitive next season. That's not the that's not the goal here. The goal was to have this team be competitive now. And yep. the window is now. And maybe you get another season in that window. And then you'll see what happens after that. But, you know, if you do jump off the Bradley train, who's who's coming to right the ship? Uh, I, like, I, I'm not saying there's not capable coaches out there. But is that really where we're going? I, like, it, it just doesn't I guess feel like that's the, the way the board and Bill Manning, mm-hmm. importantly, is going. The argument would be like you make changes for the sake of almost making a change and mm-hmm. a shock throughout, you know, the dressing room, a, a culture turnover, a just a different voice in that room because maybe the one that's in the room isn't getting through to the room anymore. Right. That's probably the biggest reason why you would make a change. But as we also know, Bob Bradley has a lot more invested in this club than just being the first team coach. Mm-hmm. He's, his his ties run really deep into the club when it comes to some of the overhaul he's had to do all the way down to obviously the scouting department is something that we've talked about and I've written about and how Jack Dodd is now leaving the club and how yep. TFC haven't since Bob Bradley arrived TFC haven't been able to to do some of the things that they've wanted to do because they're still undoing some of the things that was left by Ali Curtis during his tenure. So from a roster making standpoint, they haven't quite been able to do, like I said, just some of the things that they wanted to do in that, in that front. And then also like it comes part of the job that with Bob Bradley is overseeing the overall scouting process when it comes to Toronto FC and how exactly they're going about that kind of stuff. And obviously then runs all the way down to the academies and overseeing the academy structures and and the way that he wants to see academy kids come through. So like, there's a lot of different things that are taking place that you're not seeing the team reap the benefits of fully right now. So when you say that you want to sack a coach or sack, you know, specifically Bob Bradley because he holds both the head coaching and sporting director titles, you're doing a lot more than sacking the guy who puts out the lineup sheet and mm-hmm. sets up the formation and the tactics during the game you're, you're you're asking for a lot more than that which i mean if that's the way that people you know the route that people want to go down yeah sure and me personally like again i've said this i'm not publicly going to call for anybody to lose their job but me personally like, you have to feel like the pressure is really on bob bradley here and you know i'm sure there's people and within the club and other people that like probably feel like Bob Bradley's opportunity here is winding down a little bit, especially as incidents like this occur. Right. So let's, yeah. let's, let's go quickly into sort of his response to Bernadeschi's comments and specific also the club's response to a certain extent. Um, obviously he came out, I believe on Tuesday um, and, and said that, you know, what Bernadeschi said and how he said it was unacceptable, essentially. Um, mm. and, and out of line is the Out of line was, yeah, the, the specific term yeah. was out of line. Um, 
Do you agree with that? Like, is that is that something? Do you think Bernadeschi was out of line to come out like that in a public setting after a difficult loss and and bring that up, right? Like in that way. Um, and I don't. And let's let's be clear. I don't think anything was lost in translation or no, nope. That uh, that his English isn't exactly perfect. <laughs> no, sir. Like, that was not the case here. Like he no he shots fired. What, he <laughs> said what he said with his chest out. Um, oh he yeah, was um, he was mean so, mugging. He yeah. yeah so yeah, I don't 100%. think that was yeah. the case. Yeah. So yeah. from that perspective, you know, how can it do, not be out of line? Do, okay, so yeah, do you think it was out of line, Jeff? One hundred percent, one hundred thousand percent. How can it not be out of line? Just, I mean, let's forget about the players. Let's forget about the situation. Let's forget about this is the Reds, the t- our beloved Reds. Of course it's out of line. The inmates are running the asylum. What? How can it not be out of line? By the strictest terminology of being out of line, when the player is publicly deriding his coach, that's out of line. That's, if you look up in the dictionary, there's a picture of Berna mean mugging. I mean, let's go. <laughs> So there's nothing wrong with his statement. I mean, I I found I found the rest of the article. Uh, and again, I can say lost in translation here because it's not we're not looking at Bob doing an interview. We don't get to infer body language. This is Neil. This is, you know, Bob by way of Neil Davidson, by way of Neil Davidson's editor, by way of our own reading comprehension. So it's not the same thing. It's not that instant dopamine hit of, of Berna on on your Zoom call. Right. But what I didn't like about that article was this attempt to, like, uh, decorum our way out of the situation, you know? Like, too much glossed over words. If anything, I think, you know, Bob should have met him halfway. I I don't know who said it, but, like, and I don't know if I agree with it, but, like, you know, Bob and Berna need to get into a a, a debate where he's like, okay, Berna, tell me what, what tactics you think need to be changed and then see what happens. I don't know if there's any validity to that, but I also think trying to massage it with like platitudes wasn't the answer as well. So that, that was my problem with the Davidson piece. I, th- I, I understand why Bob came out and had said what he said. And as a coach, you have to go down that route. There is no one person. Again, this is so cliche, but it's true. You can't have a player that's bigger than the club. You can't have a 100%. player that's bigger than than the team that undermines the coach that you know comes out and says some of those things because then you all of a sudden you lose the room and that leads to to bigger problems right so i get why bob's response is selfishly and i've said this on on 442 today i i hate it because you, you love that authenticity come through because that's what makes real connections between the players in the media players in the fan base like they're i think i just think players are sometimes a little bit too media trained at not just TFC, just in sports in general. So, you know, I, I don't want to see selfishly again, that go away mm. from the sporting side, but I, I do understand it. Um, yeah. I think, I think. Can I ask we, you a question? Do you not ahead. think that was Berner's media training there? Like he knew exactly what he was doing and he knew exactly what the, what response he would engender. Um, and we're seeing it writ large. I mean, he knew exactly what would happen here. And those words were, I mean, that that's media training right there. It can, it can be represented. And after a bad loss going, you know, well, we all, we all pushed hard, you know, and we all, we all 
tried whatever the hell they say after a loss but it's 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 as realized there that that's his media training come to the fore you know depending on what his goal is right that's assuming you know what his his goal would be at the end of that yeah and i don't other than chaos yeah i i really don't so i mean we'll get to it in our burning question we'll see what other people think his goal Mm. was by I come and making those comments, but it did strike me a little bit of Josie Altador-esque when so Josie so. Altador at times unprompted <laughs> would go out and he would make headline statements, not in the best interest of the club's PR and the club's mm-hmm. image. However, his reasoning behind all of it, what Josie always used to say is because he wants the best for the club. And this is why he's coming out and he's making those those statements. I do wonder if Bernadeschi wants, quote unquote, the best for the club, or if he has an ulterior motive or whatever his his you know reasoning is for coming out and, and saying such targeted post game responses i guess yeah mm-hmm. i guess yeah so you know it, it is it's a slippery slope when we try to go down this this path when it comes to bernadeschi but but damn yeah it's it's definitely jarring and I, again like i said off the bat i think it uh it opens a lot of eyes in publicly at least to kind of mm-hmm. i think the situation there at tfc yeah, I think 100%. it opens the door for a lot of people to start to think about beyond just the tactics, right? Like, of course, this was pointed on the tactics, but I think it talks to a lot more than just what's happening on the field with X's and O's. I think it's it's more about what is the culture and the and the ethos of what this club is trying to be or trying to do, right? Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, mm-hmm. this was pointed in tactics, but it can talk to a lot more than that. And... For me, I, I obviously look. A lot of people are going to relate this to Bob Bradley. It may even speak to a higher sort of <laughs> thought about how are you recruiting, how are we bringing players in. You know, obviously Bob is a part of that, but there are other people that are a part of that as well, right? And 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 that might be even a bigger sort of you know comment on what he thought TFC probably what he was sold on what TFC was and going to be when he signed compared to what he has now. And yes, of course, injuries play a big part in that. Um, but at the same time, you know, look, they go, when they go out and go for DPs, these are not, these are not, Hey, I'm talking to an agent. Hey, do you want to come sign for TFC? There are presentations done. There is selling mm-hmm. done. There is, you know, trying to convince players that this is the best place for you to sign and here are all the reasons why and here are the plans we're trying to do both on and off the pitch. Um, and I think that, you know, maybe those, to a certain those, extent he's mm-hmm. not seeing the returns based on sort of what he was who cares? Sort of sold. No, who I cares? mean, yeah, but he's who a cares kid. if he's unhappy with his presto pass? Like, I don't care. Score some goals or shut but the that, hell yeah, up. Yeah, but like, that's not how people I work, don't, Jeff. I know it's not how people work, but I, but I also don't like, like, I'm not, you know what I mean? Like that sounds like a him problem and he's making this an us problem and he's count and he's couching it in other, in, in tactics, you know, and, and this and that and this and the whole team played well. If you're upset that this isn't the project that you were sold on, which I mean, who isn't upset with with the project they're sold on because it's all pipe dreams and hope. 
tied together with with you know tears and and nothingness like yeah, I just who cares? Yeah, but Jeff, who it's cares? His career, like if he, right? Like he, it's his and that and, and that's what he's doing, and that and and for, and people aren't seeing this. Like when Josie came out, half the time it was so easy to ignore him because we could see it right through it. It's like look at this shiny thing. Let's ignore the fact that I'm an aging striker that can't stay healthy and that I, I want my money from, from TFC. No, there was a bit of that in there. There was no, a bit of that I, in there and it has know. to, it has to be included. I just, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I find it so distasteful and, and you know, it keeps coming back to no player can be bigger than the badge. And, and, I don't like players that try and make themselves bigger than the badge. Like, well, you the TFC the don't team, exactly the absolve themselves of blame here, right? Because they put okay. these guys on. Like, the point of buying DPs You're is right. not to make them bigger You're than the 100%. club, but it, it is to make them stars, right? It is to make and that dichotomy the is at the core way. of this. You're one hundred percent right. There's this weird dichotomy that often results in 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 okay. in craziness like this. You're one hundred percent right, Mike. You're let, let me ask you, right. Jeff. Jeff, let me ask you. Mm. Regardless of whether or not you believe Fede was right to come out and say what he did, do you mm. think what he said was right? That the team looks like it has no tactics? I mean, doesn't yes, have an of idea of playing football. Of course I do. We've, we've said it. We've said it. That but there I needs don't to be a change. It. I don't need it coming from inside the house. You know what I mean? Because I don't. I don't see it as being altruistic. I see it as being a face-saving exercise. Like, I, and it can't not be at least conferred in some ways as that. So he's like the least reliable narrator in this regard. Is he saying something that we can all see with our eyes? Absolutely. Is he offering any solutions beyond, you know, vague uh, uh, pot shots at the gaffer? Absolutely not. Um, you know, he's been given the bully pulpit and his response is things need to change. I mean, we, we can all see that. I don't, I, I don't know. It takes away from the team spirit and just creates more divisiveness. So I think that any truth out of the statement is countered by the damage that it does. Mike, what do you think? Okay. So there's kind of two questions in there. One mm -hmm. outward and one hidden. Um, one, do I agree with what he said? Do I agree with it? Yes. I do agree that the team right now, and even before then, to be honest, I don't think had a, if there is an idea, it's not clear to them. Who is that on? I, I can't begin to tell you. Is that on Bob? Is it on them not comprehending this plan? Are they underperforming? Well, it's a little bit of both, right? Maybe it's a bit of tactics and a little bit of them underperforming. Look, Federico Bernardeschi in the last couple of weeks has not been good. Let's just be mm -hmm. real. He hasn't been good. Yeah. In the last of weeks. Um, and, and he kind of gets the saving grace because he came in and did really well at the beginning of last year. And he started hot this year, but he's tailed off. Like, let's be real here. He has tailed off. No goals or assists in his last seven games. Exactly. Yep. So he's, he's tailed off quite a bit. Now, of course, that does sort of it does infer the fact that look there's been injuries and the the players that he's playing with are maybe able to to combine and play at the same sort of thought level that he's at but look this is mls and and when you spend money on designated players those players you can't miss 
you really cannot miss with their with your DPs. There's too much writing on it from a cap mm -hmm. perspective, from a budget perspective. These guys have to at times win you games. Is it fair? 100%. No, right. That's why I hate the DP tag. It, it is the most ridiculous thing right now. It's we've outgrown that to me. The league has outgrown it, and it it puts. I think there's a fair argument for that. Yeah, right. And it puts a little bit of there's bit too much on this one guy or these two guys have to come and drag us and make moments of magic to win us games at times. And so I do think he was right to a certain extent. Do I think it should have come out though in a press conference like that after a tough loss? No. 100%. Because now, because now what you're now focusing on and look, we're part of this machine too. Don't get me wrong. Like I, I fully acknowledge that is we're talking about it and we're talking about it and we're diving into it. And now there's assertions about Bob may have to lose his job. Do you go after Bill? Is is this a Fede problem? Is, is he and Azinia actually the issue? Mm -hmm. You know, like, is there, you know, are the players the problem? Like that you, you start digging down these holes because of a comment that, I don't know needed to be said to the public outside mm -hmm. of it's, is this a cry for help? Is it a, is it a need for, you know, the fans to get behind the players and not the management? Like it, there's a lot that gets, that can kind of be read. Point three, that. So preserve so his legacy. If we, if we sell him in the summer, dude wants to keep that 6.5 million there or about. Well, that's a I contractual mean? thing. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like yeah, in, yeah. in the end of the day, uh, like, Sell, I think selling them is not a a, a realistic option. Well, no, maybe, neither do I. I would say realistic you wanna, option. It's a, you want to talk know, about anti-realism. I see these takes far too often, and I got to call it out. Last place with the two best defensive talents in the league, Bob Bradley working his magic. Offensive talent. Show, uh, did I say defensive? Yeah. That's okay. Oh, sorry. We, I meant offensive. Mean. Yeah, we know. Um, prove it. Because their numbers aren't, aren't dictating that they're the two best offensive talents in the league. Far from it. Zero goals and assists in okay, seven games. That's, a, that's another good conversation, Jeff. Mm -hmm. Who does that fall on? Yeah, I don't know, but this like this this like this this sort of myopic like they're the they're the two best and defensive not the talents best that MLS has ever right seen is so false. You know, it like maybe maybe they could be, but right now they sure as f ain't. Um, they're not so, the two best offensive players in the league. Are they right the now. two most talented? Who knows? I, no. I mean, right now we're not seeing it. No, they're not. Who's Tiago Amato right now is more talented than than at least one of them. We paid a like, lot like, of money I'm sorry. for these like, guys, and we like, want like, our money's worth. You can argue about winning Euros all you want, and that that's true. I'm never going to take that away from them. Like I've never won a Euro, so what am I like? But are, yeah. are, you no, know, you're right. in terms of players that can grasp games by the scruff of the neck and win them, there are players in this league that do it better than them right now. Like, well, I'm not saying, that, I'm not saying that, lose to the Red Bulls. Yeah, go I'm not ahead, saying sorry. that they're better. I'm not saying they're better. They're the best players in the league right now. They're not the most informed players, but just sheer skill and sheer talent. They ha they have to be one too. They have to be. No, they don't. No, they don't. Who's Sh who's like more skilled than Iago Almada. I disagree with that completely. Okay, fair he's, enough. He's unbelievable. He's going to be going for the. He's going to break the MLS transfer record. Is he ever going to scratch in the ceiling that Lorenzo Insigne was at? He won a World Cup. 
this winter. Yeah. <laughs> how many, like how many minutes did he play in that World Cup? <laughs> okay. No, all right. So is, fair enough. Okay. Like, yeah. yeah fair seven minutes. Fair no. But like, okay. Like, look, uh, you, you're now we're now splitting hairs in terms of where people were born, right? Like, okay, mm-hmm. fine. But like, and and how coaches use players, right? In international competition, that's a whole other comp- conversation, right? But are you asking Lorenzo? Me, Lorenzo like, insane, like, was but, but that's the and thing. Bernadeschi you, were both like very impactful players for the European 2020 championship. Like it's, yeah. it's a different level we're talking about. Sure. Sure. But, but I at just, the end of the I, day, I like, take issue with this. Yeah. Well, what so, my, my thing around this is that this is not the Italian national team. This is Toronto FC. And at a mm-hmm. certain point, it's got, it, it's got to be like, okay, I get your pedigree and it is fantastic. I'm not taking away from their pedigree. I'm not saying their pedigree no. doesn't matter. What I'm saying is, is that Can you do it on a freezing night at BMO and translated March, yeah. to here? And Agreed. yes, of course, part of this is on the coach. Yes, but part of it is on you as a player, right? Like to figure out Agreed. the league, to figure out how to to adapt. Yes, to the league. Look, tactically, if, this league is not Syria, of course, but physically, like, look, these guys can run with you all day, and they can they can body you all day, and that is not something they're completely used to in terms of the same type of they're not going to have the same type of time they have on the ball that they normally have right mm-hmm. and, and and i think especially for lorenzo i think that's been a problem now mike you've brought it up that he needs players around him that can connect with him and think on the same level as him and, and connect and play with him and i agree with that but again it goes back to something that is probably very unfair from an mls perspective dps cannot miss they can't you just oh, yeah. you teams get sunk because dps don't hit and yep. right now you have two dps that one has hit a bit and has gone on a dip of a dip of form and the other hasn't right the lorenzo he just hasn't uh, I'd, I'd, I'd argue that lorenzo falls in the same category as bernardeski where he showed like he was hitting for a little bit and then this season it just a couple bad breaks Hasn't, okay. Okay. I'll, okay. I'll, I'll hasn't really gone Because like I'll he had, yeah, he had. Fair. You look at his first six yeah. goals in this league, absolute bangers. Um, and there were moments where he was connecting well with his teammates. Obviously, we'll always have that half against, <laughs> against Charlotte. <laughs> the magical half. The good, I'm the telling you, I want a half and half scarf. Leon in the in the Concacaf league, and that and that it, half against Charlotte, Charlotte is just yeah. TF, TFC Hall of Legends. Yep. Mm-hmm. No, but like like I've said, Mike, and along those same lines, I've said this before on this show, it's just I don't know if you can surround Lorenzo Insane in particular with those types of players in Major League Soccer. Like You need Agreed. players that, that can see the game at the same speed that Lorenzo Insigne can, can play the game at the same speed Lorenzo Insigne can. Like you see how, when I say skilled, like you see his first touch. You see some of the, the skill it takes to make some of the passes that he makes where the ball is not completely settled, but yet he's still able to seamlessly make a pass the pace. He's able to play a pass at the precision. He's able to like, that's what I mean when I say like this guy is he's different. He's skilled when it comes to other guys, other people in major league soccer are more effective. And this goes along sort of what you're saying, Mike, because they have the physical aspect. They have the ability to beat players one V one and move forward and all of that. And, continue to drive like greg vanny always used to say the types of players that teams have they have two two different types of players they have players who can play in between lines and they have players that can run through lines dps 
the best DPs are those that can do both. Right now, mm-hmm. I don't think Lorenzo Insigne can really run through lines. No. But I think he's unbelievable. No, he'll have no ankles in between left. lines. Yeah. But I think he's unbelievable, yeah, at playing in between lines. But I'm not sure that equates in Major League Soccer the way that, you know, a lot of people might want it to equate. Like, look at, look at for just off the top of my head, look at Kaka when he mm-hmm. came to MLS. Mm-hmm. Come on, is anybody judging the skill or talent of Kaka? No. No, like no, he, the way he no. sees the game is unbelievable. But Orlando City was never able to get the best out of him because, again, same thing like Lorenzo, in order to get the best out of him, you need to surround him with guys who can see the game at the same speed that he's seeing the game, that can are willing to be runners off the ball so he can kind of facilitate a little bit. But just players like that, you never really reap the benefits of. You need to get guys that are like, a, again, it's unfair, but like a Javinko who speedy as he's underrated for just yeah. how fast that he was but he had yep. the ability to see the game in between lines and also play through lines so those are the types honey mukhtar is a perfect example of that right now yes. perfect for nashville and and a dp that makes the other players better a guy with enough quality that he that it sort of rubs off on everybody around them which we're just not seeing here. I mean, Miles is saying it. If these players are so good, they are the ones that should identify and play with lesser players. Expecting MLS next callouts to do the opposite is naive. I think that's a little bit strongly worded, but but there's some truth in that comment there. Yeah, fair enough. You know? um, yeah, one one of the things, just quickly, I'm going to write about this yeah. week is, is that mm. I don't think TFC have done a good enough job finding value with cheaper players on the roster yes um, 100 I won't, I won't go too deep into some of the analogies and that i use to compare other teams that have had success but when you look at every team in the league every team in any sport that decides to go top heavy when they're spending tfc is one of four teams in mls that have 10 players making over the senior maximum amount which is about six hundred and fifty thousand. so they're one of four teams that decide to go top heavy in the league what mm-hmm. other teams that do well are able to do is get more value out of the cheaper players on the roster. You go through TFC's salaries at the MLSPA salary release. I challenge you to pick out two guys on that roster that is worth more than what they're making. Hmm. Hmm. That's that's where I think the biggest drop off us is in this team that comes down to whether that is recruitment, whether that yep. is the academy and the homegrowns, whether that is player development within the club. Regardless, what other teams that have been successful, what they've been able to do is get value out of those guys on their roster, and TFC just haven't had a, done a good enough job of doing that. And here's yep. and this here's where to answer the second part of your question a few minutes ago, Mike, in terms of do I agree with this comment and ideally like where is this comment pointed to? I don't think he was pointing this way, but I think this is a bigger thing about the club and its overall ethos of how do we build a squad to compete in MLS. And right now, the way I see how the squad gets built is very much a template that is now old in MLS. Yes, you can be top heavy 100%. Teams do it, as you mentioned before. There are three other teams in the league that do it. But what I find in this league is that teams who are able to maximize their spend 
in terms of I can find talent that I know that can compete in this league and be effective in this league and help us win and get them at a, a, a number that is healthy for our cap, but also gives us a possible opportunity to either move them on if we have to, or they have upside to be moved to Europe or to South or wherever, right? Mm-hmm. Tend to be consistently winning in this league now. And the way that TFC is building its roster, though, look, I'm not knocking going and signing Matt Hedges and Sigurd Rosen and Sean Johnson. You they have all worked out. They worked they out. They've all been really moves. good and I'm not lived up didn't to work their value. Out. What I'm saying is that long term, right? The way that this team is going to be built, because right now I see this as a two year window and then we'll see what happens, right? This season, yeah, this season yeah that we're, that we're uh, wasting, right? Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. So, but to, for this team to really start to become a competitive year over year, challenging for trophies, being in that conversation every year, you can't just keep going out every two years and being like, Hey, we need another big DP to fill butts and seats. So let's go get Lorenzo and Sinia. Yeah. That's yeah. really what that move was about. Let's be real. The footballing is, is true. And he's a world-class talent. I'm not saying he's not. But you can't tell me that the part of this thought was, hey, let's go to the talent community and get let's sell some more tickets. That 100% was part of this signing. And I feel like there are times where this club needs to sometimes take a little bit of a walk back on that and find players that do a little bit more from a footballing perspective. And, and, and in the context of major league soccer. Um, and, and to me, that doesn't quite jive with how TFC is building at least its DP strategy. And therefore it trickles down to how you build the rest of the roster going forward. It's a little bit Jermaine Defoe-esque, right? That's what Jermaine Defoe was sold on here. And I know I, sometimes I see that comparison. I almost think at times, yeah, it's, you know, it's a little bit lazy of a comparison, but when you phrase it that way, Mike, and mm-hmm. people have since talked about it, people who were involved with the Jermaine Defoe signing, they admitted the reason why Defoe came, was was you know sold on this this project is because he was wind and dined, is because you know he was going to be the guy that came in and saved Toronto FC. The parallels are also almost pretty. They're scary. They're yeah. scary. Pretty frightening. Yeah, when you, when you think mm-hmm. about the way that. The Lorenzo Insigne signing was sort of framed by and, and, by the club, and, and hindsight's yeah. twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah. But, and look, and in there, if you look at the signings, and I'm not look, I'm not, I'm not really comparing Jermaine Defoe to Lorenzo Insigne. They are two very different players with two very different circumstances. However, course. there are some. How how much could this team score. use Jermaine Defoe right now? I'm striker of his <laughs> well, quality. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I know. But like, here's the thing, yeah, right? Yeah. You you've what got you two guys that? who never left home. Right, realistically, like Jermaine Defoe went to other clubs in England, but never what really mm-hmm. left home, right? Who are now coming to a new country in a new league in a new sort of thought of football, right? Football is not thought of here the same way it's thought of there, not just from a cultural perspective, but also from like how you play, how you like it's changing now, of course, right? But generally speaking, it's not the same. And what I'm finding and what I'm seeing just with my own eyes, right? And I can only use that as my measure is that they are lost in terms of mm-hmm. how, what am I doing? Like, what are you doing? How am I relating to you? How am I connected? Like that, that's the look right now. Federico Bernadeschi has that a little bit, but I feel mm-hmm. like just culturally and just socially, he's able to fit in more because that's his personality. But Lorenzo Insigne and Jermaine Defoe in a lot of ways have the same kind of um, 
the same kind of sort of mental ethos of like Shock. they're really here for the football. Like, look, like Lorenzo is enjoying life. He's making a lot of money and his family's mm-hmm. happy. I don't want to. Sure. I'm never going to take that away from him. Of course, if you if I had a chance to make my family that kind of money, I'd do it too. Right? You I get think that back, would. yeah. But mm-hmm. it, that's what I'm seeing here, and and that gives me a pause for concern because we know how Jermaine Defoe ended. At the end of the day, he wanted to go home, right? And he wanted to play football in a place that he understood the culture of football, and. I'm not saying that Lorenzo Insigne is leaving, though, again, I will still maintain if he's not a Toronto FC player, at, you know, coming to the start of next season, I won't be shocked. Not but I feel like that might be the route we go down. And it may not be the same where, where he's asking out, but it might be the best for both parties at the end. And let, let's see how the rest of the season goes, where it's like, maybe we just need to part ways and maybe you need to go find a spot in Europe that works better for you from a footballing perspective. And we need to reset and we get our money back our DP yeah. strategy yeah. here at the FC. Yeah. yeah. I, I actually think they're just, yeah. they were just pissed because they were promised being Drake's best friend and all they got were like a few, a few trips to Soto Soto and hey, OVO, OVO uh, uh, hoodie. And that's yeah. it. Wait, yeah. at least you're like, not I, OVO anymore. I do I think we to. gloss, <laughs> we gloss over mm-hmm. the fact that, a little bit we gloss over the fact that why why did Insigne and Bernadeschi decide to come to Toronto? I mean you there's me. millions of reasons why. Money. Yeah. Right? Money. Money. Yeah. And there are at times that we forget about that and we're like, oh man, these guys are so dedicated and committed to winning here. They're and assassins. All they do is yeah, I wouldn't go that far, but mm. <laughs> but you do question again. It does bring up at least the question of what is their true motivation here, and how how much how bought in are they to really seeing Toronto FC not not necessarily their team, like you know the team that they're on, but just the club in general, Toronto mm-hmm. FC that crest. How dedicated are they to seeing that get back to the days that we all remember? The days that I'm sure they're not probably they're probably not too familiar with. But how well, dedicated? It's everywhere on the training really? ground, right? There's memorabilia all over the place about it. Yeah, sure. I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yes, they know. They know 2017. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but do they but, I mean, know 2017? You know? No, of course not. No, no, they're not going to know it like like we've known it and lived it, it that way. But I mean, like I think there's look, and I don't want this to become a we're blaming the DP session because that's not I don't think really what's happening here. But <laughs> you know, I, well, eh, not it really. Looks but, like a duck and quacks like a duck. Yeah. I mean, I, can we like okay, can, can we summarize? Just okay. Mm, so yeah, coach isn't doing a good enough job. The roster building was, you know, we can we can say that the parts of the roster of the building was poor. The DPs aren't living up to their expectations. The deaf players on Toronto FC's roster aren't perform overperforming their value. They're not earning bigger contracts the next time they are up for free agency. Mm-hmm. Nobody can stay healthy. That- Nobody can yeah. stay healthy. Like this, this is Toronto FC. The results obviously there aren't there in the field. Fans are frustrated. The players inside the dressing room are obviously frustrated. There's a thousand Twitter accounts of variations of, of Bob Bradley <laughs> out immediately so, that just appeared. Yep. So 
what's going right? Anything? Like we just well, summarize. Like there's another. There's direction. another. O, there's another o, OV. What is it called now? OVO. There's another OVO drop coming out. My team. This team's turning into Arsenal Part Two. Anyway, yeah. Um, no. Look. There are. Look. To me, there are positives. Right. And I'll. I'll, I'll point out three. Okay. Jaquiel Marshall Ruddy, I think, has been a. I won't call it a revelation, but I think we know now that he can play at MLS level and and be effective. I think. Right. This is just my I, opinion. I I don't think he's taking the jump forward that I think Argo's doing well. Fair enough. Fair enough. The, I, I disagree with you. I think yep. JMR is a I think JMR is a positive. I think you have a positive in Sean Johnson. Look, you went out and got the best goalkeeper in free agency. He's proving to be that in terms of sort of that player on the pitch. Not necessarily the best I, goalkeeper in MLS, but you know, I think he's he's doing what you kind of expected him to do. Can I pour a little cold water on that? Well, okay. I agree with you to the fact that, yes, he is a pleasant surprise and he is like one of the best goalkeepers in MLS. He only signed a two-year contract. With oh, well, no, that's why I say there's only like a two-year window on this team, right? <laughs> like, like he, he only has Sean one Johnson year goes. after this year. Um, yeah. So, yes, he, you're right. He is a positive, but... The... Clock is hey, ticking. You ask me positives right now, not in two years. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> sure keep going what's the third yeah and i think the third positive is this team has improved defensively i know we're losing games and, okay. and that is that sucks obviously but i think defensively the team has improved um so from from the, the problem is we just can't score goals right we have no idea how to get the ball and progress it forward but stopping generally yes we can do that right now um, so those are the three positives I see out of this season so far. It's not completely doom and gloom, but I mean the clouds are dark. Let's let's be let's be real here. It's not complete, uh, you know, black Sabbath kind of kind of dark, but it's it's like a Toronto Sabbath. storm in the summer. You know, the dark clouds are rolling over the lake and about to hit the CN Tower, kind of dark. Cats have held it together for an hour, which is longer than I thought it would, but I have got to go. Yeah, you're you're uh, sweating bullets, buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I yeah. will uh, I, I will see you all later. Love to the fam. Uh, we'll talk soon. Peace okay. out. Peace Cheers. out. Thank all you. right. Uh, that is Jeffrey P. Nesker bouncing out. Those, anybody watching? Yeah, for those watching, um, you just understood the, the magic of podcast making. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, to, to wrap up sort of the thought, I think, look, I, I think there is – there is there. I think there's a right for people to question where the club is going in terms of its grander sort of ethos of how to build this club going forward. Right. Like the, the thought of 2023, of course, is what everybody's thinking about. And that's obviously important. But I think there is also a broader question about where this club is going beyond this. Um, and that's really, I think, at the heart of a lot of people's concerned, like in and. Look, 2023 will be what it be will be in the end, but there is this sort of overlying question of what exactly is this club, and that is that is concerning to me. Yeah, without going too deep into the well, there, uh, I think everybody can recall Bill Manning and his five year plan when he signed Lorenzo Insigne and how he publicly told everybody that he had the five year plan, and he went to the board and he sold them on this five year plan leading up to 2026. I would love to know how that plan is going and what exactly mm. that plan was and what the heck this is supposed to look like in 2024, 2025, 2026, the years leading up to the World Cup. Because it doesn't seem like this 
plan is really in track. And as you mentioned, like the future outlook of this club, and as I've talked about in, in the past, like in different ways, they, it seems like they've really dug themselves into a corner in a little bit um, in terms of the roster building perspective aspect of it all, at least. Now, next season, you're going to get more flexibility. There are going to be certain things that are off the books. But it also comes down to how much this board is willing to back this team. That's that's something I've written about already is that, listen, they're the reason, the board's the reason why you don't, TFC don't have three DPs right now, right? I think the original plan was to go out and get three DPs. Actually, I know the original plan was to go out and get three designated players and three fairly prominent designated players. I mean, I've, I've talked about in the past, you know, Dries Mertens was a guy that TFC were going to bring in alongside, you know, Insigne and, Krishita was going to be there too. Like this was a a plan all along. Another guy is uh, what's God? I forgot his name. Mattia Destro. Jesus. Mm. Mattia Destro. Another guy. TFC. We're going to bring him in. He's part of the plan. But since the results have been so poor, because certain things maybe not haven't gone the way that the team thought they would have gone. Their budget has been cut and or reduced from where they thought it would be, at least. And that's why we're not seeing this team go out and sign three DPs. But it does, it puts a, a wrench into their plans. It does. It really does. Because if you bring in two really, I'm like using a car analogy, two really amazing parts of this car, it's really like a, the engine is there. Right, the most expensive part of the car is there, and is one of the nicest engines that you can have. But you're not going to buy everything. The framework, yeah, the framework <laughs> of the car, a little bit there, the steering wheel, whatever, whatever analogy you want to use there. But I, I really think that the fact that this board hasn't gone all in on TFC when it looked like they were committed to doing so. That's also kind of put a, a bit of a dent in the, you know, this team's roster building and the why they're trying to, you know, make do with what they have there. Yeah, and look, it's I get that, but it's almost like can you kind of blame them, right? Like if you if you're gonna give, you know, that type of backing, and you're not getting those results, and you know, you're not seeing return on some of that. Like, I'm not seeing return on investment in terms of selling players. I don't think you go get Lorenzo Insigne and Bernadeschi and think you're going to sell them for profit later, right? But like more in terms of return on investment on wins and, you know, cups and getting the team into Champions League and potentially winning Champions League and, you know, things like that. And therefore bringing the profile of the club back up and you're therefore your season tickets rise and, you know, you get more buzz about the club, um, then why would you spend more money, right? Or why would you do, would you trust this brain trust with more money if, if they're spending that money and not, and not getting the results out of that, or you give them the money and they're bringing in, like you said, aftermarket parts when you buy, you know, the top line engine and really great and really great, uh, uh, you know, a really great side piece to the car. So, you know, there, I think that's, again, where it goes back to that overall question on what is this club going to be 
what are they what is really the philosophy around not just the tactics but the players you're bringing in and the philosophy and look there's clubs in mls that are younger than tfc that have that down pat and know what they are and and therefore buy players based on knowing what they are and seeing success i will use an example of nashville you know not the sexiest team in the world not necessarily going to play the prettiest football, but they're direct. They know they're direct and it works for them. And they bought a designated player that fits within that system and has surrounded him with players who fit within that system and therefore make him work. And therefore he makes them better in a lot of different ways. Yeah. So I think TFC know what they want to be. And they want to be that club that is super ambitious and that club that is bringing in these high profile designated players, but they might've just swung and missed on those high profile designated players. I think they, that's what they want to be at least at a, to a certain extent, like this team since what 2015 has always been among, if not the highest, then top three highest spending teams in major league soccer. Right. So you, you applaud the ownership from that perspective. I just, again, I take issue with the fact they went halfway in. And if you're going to invest that much already, why not just invest a little bit more to really put the, the finishing product onto the final product onto what looks to be you like can spend a the money, but not framework. spend it wisely just because you have the money. That's, and that's the thing. And but like if you're, if you're, point. If, but if you're if you've already committed to spending that money, like you're not getting that money back, does it make sense to really pull the pull out the rug when you're ninety percent of your investments already in, or is it does it make more sense to take that ten percent gamble and be like, okay, you know what, maybe you haven't spent it wisely, but here's if you're telling me that we just need ten percent more. That's crazy. That that's that's crazy from a business perspective. Like, but like from know, a DP pers- from a football perspective, right? You have if you're an ownership. No, that group. could be crazy too, right? Like TFC, like you said, have tried to bury themselves or get themselves out of you know being buried under bad contracts, right? Like they had to bury themselves out of dig themselves out of bad contracts. So there is like you give that ten percent, and then if you can't spend it wisely, you continue to like. There's no track record to say like you're going to get that ten percent and spend it wisely now. Like all of a sudden, oh, we know the error of our ways. We're going to spend it wisely now. Like no, generally speaking, you're going to continue to go down the track of not spending wisely. Circa, let's look at LAFC or sorry, LA Galaxy right now and Greg Vanny and where he's at. Where that club has not necessarily spent all its money wisely. Yes, Rocky Puig is, you know, is um or Rocky Pooge, sorry. Um, Ricky Pooge. Ricky Pooge is like, oh, yes, that's a that's a great signing, and that's turned out to be a pretty decent signing. But generally everything else hasn't quite worked out, right? Like even Chicharito to a certain extent hasn't quite hit all the heights, right? Um, so you know, from from that perspective, just because you're giving that extra 10% doesn't mean you're spending that 10% wisely and therefore you're now buried for the next couple of seasons under bad contracts you either can't get out of or have to find creative ways to get out of those contracts that may not put you in the best situation for a couple of seasons right we just got out of that phase are we really uh, looking to no, jump right we're, back we're into that? that phase they're okay, still paying Josie Altador's contract okay fair enough but that's what I mean right you had to find a creative way to get rid of them because you couldn't exactly get out of it because you couldn't like necessarily buy it all out and you right. So like from that perspective, 
you know, you're, you're stuck paying a guy to not play for you to not play for another team either. Right. Like it, it's just, you know, that's where you get yourself maybe into a bit of trouble. Yeah. I, I, I hear you. I hear you. I, again, knowing the football difference that having a DP striker on this team could potentially make, I, again, I'm, I'm not saying it, I'm not saying it's an insignia. I'm not saying it's a Bernadeschi. I'm not saying it's players that have to be paid that much. But just maybe adding a DP striker into this team from a football perspective, mm. I think it, you you can make a good argument that it makes TFC a playoff team. You better get the right one, right? Because again, DPs can't. Like I said earlier in the show, right? DPs cannot miss. They cannot miss. And if you if you get it wrong, look at a lot of teams who've gone out and bought DP. Like look at like at SKC right now. Alan Pulido was great. Now, granted, it's not all his fault. His injuries are definitely a massive part of that. But if you can't, if you get that DP who can't stay fit or can't or isn't hitting the heights in terms of, you know, their their abilities, you you could be stuck for a while, you know. And, and that's just the reality of things. Um, all right, let's move um, over now. Um, let, let's set up the the burning question here, guys. Obviously, we talked a lot about. Um, you know, our thoughts around Federico Bernadeschi's comments this weekend, but we want to get to what you think uh, in this week's burning question. The Toronto Until I Die burning question presented by Nextdoor, the neighborhood network and social and official community app of Toronto FC. Nearly one in five GTA households use Nextdoor to connect with neighbors, local businesses, and groups nearby. Like Nextdoor's TFC fan group, where you can find our burning question posted each To join, download the Nextdoor app or go to nextdoor.ca. This week, look, the question was straightforward, and I think you all anticipated this would be the question. What did Bernadeschi mean when he said that TFC need to change something. A couple of comments here from the TFC fan group within Nextdoor. Um, uh, Steven Squecky uh, commenting, uh, I agree with Corey, another person that had commented in the group. TFC is like a rudderless ship with uh, just drifting with no one at the helm directing the team. It starts with the coach. Something needs to be done before this season is totally lost interesting um because i feel like that's a lot of the sentiment out there right now is is this idea that you know you may need to make a change for changes make that you like like you mentioned before mike are you on that are you on that bandwagon like making a change for changes sake um sometimes yeah sometimes i think that could work but again as i mentioned earlier in the show making a change to a head coach and sporting director is a lot more than making a change for the sake of making a change. It's a lot more than firing your head coach in hockey. It's a lot more than firing your head coach in basketball. It, 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 there's a lot deeper ties in soccer when it comes to firing someone who is a head coach and sporting director. So not in that sense, because you're changing a lot when the team has gone through so much change over these past couple of years. 
Yeah, fair enough. And uh, Christopher L does not agree with you. I <laughs> know uh, Christopher L in the group says he is asking for a coaching change for sure. At the very least, he's asking for additional uh, an additional assistant coach to run some better tactical drills and training. It's definitely clear you can watch other leagues uh, and that you can watch in other leagues. The TFCs are severely lacking in strategy on the pitch. Shots, 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 shots at uh, Bob Bradley. Um, I feel like this week, Bob Bradley is just uh, getting it. And look, it, it's been coming for a while. You know, people have been on this for a bit. Um, and, and, you know, going into Twitter, uh, you know, uh, Sempre Zebra, uh, who who is a, a podcast, a, a Juve podcast um, and friends of the show. Um, he meant a tactical identity. Even the best players can't perform at uh, their best without tactics. Look at how Vanny got the most out of Seba. Sometimes it's about deciding either to build around your star guys or to or to build around a coach's methods. At times, you can't have both. Interesting because, look, a lot of people will point to the fact that Greg Vanny didn't play his preferred formation while having Josie Alador and Sebastian Javinko on the pitch at the same time. Wonder what you think about that. Is it is it a situation where... Maybe it's look, you got to move out of a preferred way or a preferred system in order to maybe get the offense going. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I, I, I do think Bob has tried to do that. Um, we have seen, especially over these past couple of games, him try different types of things. It's not as obvious as, you know, when he starts the game, it's not a clear, concise 4-4-2, but we've seen moments during games where he tries to shift players around and do a lot of different things. Lately, the last couple of games, he's gone with wingbacks, right? And he's gone three at the back. Part of that is due just to the personnel that they have, but part of it might be as a result of him trying to shake his team up and try and see what a different look is. Um, again, me personally, I would love to see a 4-4-2 with Insigne up top alongside a guy like CJ Sapong or Diamande, knock on wood, if he ever hmm. ever decides to that he's going to be healthy and fit to, to be able to play. But I would love to see something like that and something like that from the jump. Um, but like I said, I, I do think Bob doesn't get enough credit at times for just his tactical flexibility. I know Jeff was saying he's really stubborn and yeah, it comes across that way at times when he is trying to implement a, an identity within the group. But I think lately, especially he's tried a lot of different things and I think you'll see him continue to try different things until this team shows some sort of promise in some sort of light. Yeah. And uh, here's a, here's the last comment I'll, I'll take from Twitter. And this is interesting just in terms of how the team has responded to Federico Bernadeschi's comment. Um, this comes from Graham just saying from posting the video to removing it in a couple of days looks very poor from the club's perspective. These players should have a right to freedom of speech. Um, if he feels a certain way, it should be made known from pulling the video. It shows that everything is scripted in Bradley. Strong words. I, I, I kind of get what he's saying there. I what was the last well, part of that sentence i think i think Sorry, it, I, I, in, insinuating that by pulling the video it shows that the club is scripting this narrative to keep up bradley as head coach oh okay i think that's i think that's the point uh, of the the end of the sentence there i wanted to just get your reaction on the fact that toronto fc has pulled 
video from it. So, so normally, uh, for those who maybe don't look at the TFC website every single day or, or you know, after the game, um, usually after games, the post-game comments from Bob Bradley and several of the players to the media is posted on the TFC website. So you can go into the video player and watch them all. Um, if for people who don't, you know, aren't nerds like us, do it all the time. Um, that video with Bernadeski saying what he said over this weekend was on the TFC website and I believe was pulled yesterday. Um, I think that was the case or after Bob's comments regarding it being out of line, the video has been pulled and you, it's not on the website currently. I don't believe at least the last time I looked, it wasn't up back up. So, you know, how do you feel about that, Mike? So just maybe from a media perspective, like just in terms of just having access to, for the fans to have access to what he actually said to make sort of their own conclusions. Yeah, it's probably a little bit more common than we think. Um, the Like I, t- I mentioned to you, I was in the LA Galaxy Scrum over mm-hmm. the weekend via Zoom. And there was a little bit of a back and forth between uh, I want to say a reporter, but it was more so like a fan um, and Greg Vanny. And I know that the LA Galaxy, when they uploaded their video, they actually cut that out, the little back and forth. Mm-hmm. So there is there is that part of any organization where you know you have a PR team, you have people above the PR team that look for the messaging and and all of that and monitor that kind of stuff. So. I, I understand it from that perspective. You you try as best as you can to to put the club in a in a good light, but I think in this particular instance, when the video is already out there for as long as it's been out there and as as long as it's been circulated, you're only making your club kind of look worse by doing it at this point. If that makes sense, because everyone's already oh, seen it what's the point in pulling it at this point aside from, okay, maybe you don't want people in the future to be able to refer to it, but I mean, we all have the recordings. The media at least has the recordings. There's video of it publicly that's out there on different sources. Again, at this point, I I think it, it, it backfired their, their intent there because they got, I think a little bit more flack because of it when it was a situation that maybe was starting to die down. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Look, I think it would have been, it would have been rekindled by the time you got to this weekend's game, um, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, DC United TFC at BMO field this Saturday at 7 30 PM Eastern time. Um, look, it, it, this is a game where I think a lot of eyes are going to be on it because of what has been said because of the sort of response from Bob Bradley, you know, the fact the club took it, took the, the, the post down, I think almost gives it, like you said, another sort of gives it another sort of breath of air to keep the fire going a little bit longer than it probably needed to. But I think all eyes are on this team right now um, in a lot of different ways, not just to see if this team can pull a result, um, but also to see how this team plays together. How what is the reaction of Bob Bradley to Federico Bernadeschi, right? Like, what does the lineup look like? It that it, it feels like all the eyes are on Toronto FC for all the wrong reasons, um, it, especially this time of year. Uh, and look, this is a deep, this is a game they need to win, right? They, they you know they they haven't scored in four. Um, they only won two in the last twenty two, I think. 
Um, so definitely, again, this is a, a game where you can't go in there and say like, ah, oh, well, a draw is going to be okay. Like it, I guess it would be okay, but not really, right? You do need at home to come away with three points against a team that is not exactly like, you know, they've, they've kind of figured it out a little bit in DC. They're in form, yeah. Yeah, they're in no, form. They're in form. Yeah. And what Rain Rooney has been able to do, which TFC haven't, and Bob Bradley has, and he's getting the best right now out of his best players. And it didn't start that way for Christian Benteke. No. Benteke did not look that great when he first came to Major League Soccer. But throughout the course of this season, DC has figured out a really direct approach to play off of Benteke and get him involved, and they're reaping the benefits of it right now. So they figured it out. They're going to be a mostly healthy side. You're going to see Taxi Funtas likely back into the mix. And he was a really, really good player before he had his, I don't know if it was ever confirmed, but it sounded like it was a racist no, comment yeah. or oh, racist incident. It was confirmed. That, it was pretty confirmed. Uh, yeah, I, I, I actually don't even know like the details of what it was, but Wayne Rooney didn't play him the rest of the season and the start of this season. So that probably tells you what you need to know. Um, but he... On the field, he was he was a really good player when when he was in form. You also have Lewis O'Brien, who played, I believe it was Nottingham Forest. Um, he was a guy that a lot of people were linking to TFC, but I don't think mm-hmm. TFC could have afforded him anyways. Um, so he's uh, really important. And then, of course, a guy who burned TFC earlier this year, Matthias Click, and he's a flat-out baller um, coming over from Leeds. So, yeah, they, they have a lot of good pieces. And... <laughs> They don't even have Ravel Morrison, who has been banished from this team, and he's a guy that we know is also super, super talented, but whatever off-field issues that he's dealing with between him and the club as they try to work out an exit, that's a big portion of their salary cap, too, yeah, that is huge. going towards him. Yeah. Um, and he's not even spending a minute around the club. So they have built up a pretty decent roster, and honestly, in a similar way that TFC did because they're going after big names but also older names too like ben tech is in his 30s matthias click is in his 30s i think lewis o'brien's a little bit younger yeah um ravel morrison was a little bit older like they're going after established players taxi funtas might be the the lone uh, anomaly there in terms of players that were maybe a little bit more unknown to us over here but yeah like like you said mike they're they're rounding into form and they won't be they won't be an easy easy side to get past whatsoever but at home with the way things are going right now though the word the term must win gets thrown out around a lot i don't it might be a must win for bob bradley to be honest if he wants to to continue on as manager um is it a must win for the season? No, not there anywhere close to that. But is it a must win among the fan base and the way that they're feeling and the tension that's going around the club in a in a real way? Yeah, it, it does feel like that. Yeah, absolutely. To me, it's a must win and in a lot of different ways, right? Like it's a must win from Bob Bradley perspective. I think it's a must win from a confidence perspective in the team. I think it's a must win from a points perspective, right? Like, yes, okay, they're only five points out of a playoff spot, but every time you go another match week, you burn another game and you burn three more points. And that mountain just starts to become harder to climb. We learned that last year, right? And we learned that kind of the year before, right? Well, like in terms of just the mount, like, yes, you can, you can kind of stay in it, but eventually the mountain gets a little too big and there's too many teams to jump. 
um, and I, and ask them to 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 drop points. The reason why I say it's not a must in points wise is because yeah, I referred to last year, and had they won against that game, they blew a late lead to Montreal. Had they won that game, where I think they're up two nothing, and Montreal came back and won four three. Had they won that game, had they won the game where they blew it against the LA Galaxy, where Ricky Pooch scored in the 89th minute, they left four points on the table there in primetime August, where there was four, five, six games still left to play. Had they just won those games, they're back into they're in a playoff spot. Look at what Inter Miami did to to qualify for the postseason last year with like eight games left. So yeah. I'm not. I'm not quite there from a points perspective, but I am with you that another loss and you look at that gap on the table and you understand the frustration among the players from that standpoint, I think it's a must because that could have ripple effects within the locker room. And that's when things can kind of go sideways. Yeah, no, I, I do think it's a must win from a points perspective because I don't like, yes, you could go on an inter Miami run like that, but this is, again, it's MLS. Like any week, you get a bad refing decision. You get Alex Bono's squid hands. You get a whole bunch of different things that could derail a game. And you don't want to put yourself in a position where you have to go on a kind of run like that to try to get into the playoffs, right? You want to put yourself in the best position so that that run-in is important, but you can't be in a position where you so, every game must be a must win in order to get into the playoffs, right? You want to give yourself enough cushion so that yes, injuries happen and you can sort of ride a little bit of that wave instead of, I got to win every single game now because I, I have you. literally no margin for error. So, but the definition of must win, and again, I know again, a term that gets thrown around a lot. If they lose this game, their season's over. There's no chance. No, of course. Okay, okay. From a no, from a that's a must win. No, fair enough. I think there's a lot of different ways you can define must win, Um, right? And like, of course, the the traditional must win is win it or you don't get your playoff spot. I understand that. I think there's a lot of different ways you can define must win and and must win (laughs) from a lot of uh, from from the you know again from Bob Bradley's perspective from. You know, confidence perspective, that's a must win, right? I love how we're debating the term must win. Must win, this I is know. This is turned into. Yeah, exactly. But like, <laughs> like I, I think that from a, a, a TFC perspective, that's where we're at. That's where we're at, you know? Let's, let's end it on a positive. G-Money yeah. talks. Here's the funny thing. Win Saturday, win Wednesday, and look good doing it. And the rhetoric completely flips on all this beef with the manager. That's Toronto sports. Very true. That positive vibes end the show that way. Let's put out some yeah. good energy in the air. Let's say Toronto C is going to be turning this this ship around starting Saturday. Because I mean, he is right. Like I said off the top of the show, I think I said this. You win, it changes everything. So you continue to you win one game, you win two games, you win three games. All of a sudden, you're not talking about Bob Bradley's job in the same light that people are talking about Bob Bradley's job right now. No, fair enough. Um, give me some more Kobe Franklin as well. I'll give that as positive. All right. Um, thank you for listening to another episode of Toronto Till I Die. Um, split into two, kind of. Uh, we'll be <laughs> back next week to recap uh, both the DC United home game and uh, the game against uh, Chicago, right? We, we'll have also a game against Chicago. I think we got to review. Oh, no, that's next Monday. On Wednesday. Yeah, Um, so we will review uh, DC United and tee you up for Chicago on Wednesday. Uh, If you'd be so kind, please like, subscribe on YouTube. Um, You can click the little bell there, thumbs up us. 
um, and subscribe. It really does help. Um, and of course, if you are listening on podcast version, uh, please leave a review uh, wherever you can, wherever you get your podcasts, especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, hit that five star on Spotify, give us that review on Apple Podcasts. That would be great. It helps TFC fans find the show and the community is just growing and growing every week. So we really appreciate that. Um, for Michael Singh and a not so healthy Jeffrey P. Nesker, I'm Mike Newell. We'll see you. In, uh, we'll see you next week. Take care, everybody. Cheers. Peace. And wait, and wait, and baby, I'm TFC till I die.